Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 9th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's the Battle of the Bulge. Researchers are focusing on childhood health and preventing obesity in an effort to save young lives. What I'm seeing in our state is a change for the worse, especially in terms of the behaviors that parents are propagating among kids in every aspect of lifestyle. Lawmakers are turning up the heat on hot car deaths. Hear from Mississippians who support a new bill designed to help lower rates of heat strokes. And it's Retirement Week in Mississippi. Find out how some cities are working to attract older adults. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Some Mississippi children are at risk for major health problems in the future. That's according to a Mississippi professor working to combat child obesity. Dr. Martha Ravola is interim director or department chair, rather, and professor of human sciences at Alcorn State University. She was among many researchers who gathered for the Advanced Mississippi Conference Thursday. She says the truth is children of obese parents are at greater risk of becoming obese, among other issues. So when parents' eating habits change, it benefits their children. According to the Women, Infants, and Children program, 27% of Mississippi's children ages 2 to 5 are overweight. Dr. Ravolis tells MPB's Desiree Frazier what she's seen firsthand in Mississippi. What I'm seeing in our state is a change for the worse especially in terms of the behaviors that parents are propagating among kids and changes in behavior in terms of every aspect of lifestyle. It can range from eating to physical activity to sedentary behaviors and even sleep. So all these are contributing factors to childhood obesity. And if they're not addressed and if the optimum levels are not reached at this age, Children tend to make this a pattern and it can grow into them and it can make them adults who are lazy, adults who eat more, adults who consume more calorific food, adults who do not stay conscious about physical activity and in turn it's going to affect their health and it's going to affect the economic factor of the state in terms of health care, in terms of non-productivity and in, in terms of staying away from work. You mentioned that children as young as two remember and develop patterns. Mm -hmm. It's more a neuroscience finding that says almost 75% of brain development is completed by the ages of three years. 
And so that is the time which is a potent period in life that can lay the foundation for behaviors. And children as young as two years of age, you know, smile consciously. So it's a behavior that they have learned that they smile in response to somebody. It's not just a reflexive act. So that's how when they see us do some things, they can process that information. But the way they, they attribute meanings to that would depend on how they grow and their brain development and the stage at which they are. So does that mean if their parents are obese or overweight and have unhealthy eating habits that they are going to copy them? That's true because children's, uh, children learn through modeling and imitation. And parents are their best role models. So even before they step out to go to preschool, it's the parents who have a major impact on their children. So when children watch their parents eat, they just learn by imitation. If cookie, cookie jars are available you know, on the counter at all times, and if desserts are what are served at every meal, and if high sugar drinks are what the family follows, then that's what the child will learn to eat, and that's what the child would learn to consume. And so then if you want to make a change in children, it takes a lot more effort because they'll have to unlearn those behaviors and then relearn it. And the basic period, the formative period of in life is childhood. And if we have spent enough time to lay those inappropriate behaviors, then it's going to set patterns for the future. And children of obese parents are at a higher risk for obesity than those who are non-obese. What are you finding are the attitudes of parents? Are they concerned about their children's weight? Do they say anything wrong? We have seen extreme reactions to, you know, parents' perceptions in terms of their children. Some parents are in a total state of denial. Some parents do not perceive their children as being obese. Some parents do not feel their children are not active. By virtue of them being children, they think that they're naturally active and so they should be getting the adequate amount of physical activity. And so it's taking us a long time to uncover some of those perceptions that they have. They begin to think that children are active and they're going to grow out of it. And if you've seen in some of our presentation comments that we made, parents say, well, my child is big boned or my child is solid versus facing the truth to say your child is you know, on the onset for obesity or your child is at risk for obesity. So parents do not believe that children are obese. Parents believe that children, it'll wear out. Many parents have even perceived their children to be cute if they're chubby. And they said that's what children should look like. What are the risks for children who are overweight? Well, the, the risks, I would say, are high. The ramifications can span from physical health to mental health, to psychological health, and to social health. Children who are obese are shy and afraid to socialize because they get conscious of their weight. Children who are obese, you know, tend to be very introverted. And a lot of medical uh, research has also pointed out the fact that children as young as age, eight years of age are even at risk for diabetes. And so it puts them at a risk for medical issues. It puts them at a risk for social issues. So they don't want to play. And the more they restrain themselves from playing, that's when they begin to, you know, shy away from being physically active, which is very important. Physical activity is an important component in preventing childhood obesity. You mentioned that Mississippi, I believe it's the fattest state, 35.1% mm -hmm. of the population. We have slightly lost it to our neighboring state, to Arkansas and to Louisiana, but just by a 0.3 difference 
not even a percentage. And so the 0.3% is probably because of programs that are making a difference. But I think the effort should be a little more aggressive and it should need a lot more stakeholders in it. One aspect that people do not realize when it comes to childhood obesity is the focus on sleep. Sleep has an indirect and, and a direct relationship to obesity. Children who sleep shorter you know, tend to become more obese. And the reason is there are certain biochemical changes in the brain that will trigger hunger when you have short spans of sleep. And so then they indulge more in eating. And then so we want to make, make parents aware of those aspects and that they would make children, you know, consume food when they're really hungry, but not to gratify them because a lot of them use food as a comforting factor. So we do not want to encourage those behaviors right from childhood. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for your time. Dr. Ravola is also a principal investigator for the PACE program, a federally funded project at Head Start Centers in Southwest Mississippi. The eight-week program's name stands for Parents and Children Engaged to Prevent Obesity. Coming up, Congress is considering a bill with the intent of reducing or eliminating the death of children left in hot cars. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. In his Senate testimony, James Comey accuses the White House of lying about the reasons for his firing. The administration then chose to defame me and, more importantly, the FBI by saying that the organization was in disarray, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. Those were lies, plain and simple. Next time, here and now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Some members of Congress have announced a new bill that hits home for some Mississippi families. Representatives hope to reduce the number of heat-related deaths of children left in cars. The Helping Overcome Trauma for Children Alone in Rear Seats, or Hot Car Act, would require all new vehicles in the U.S. to have a system that would alert drivers of backseat passengers left behind once the car is off. Two children died in hot cars in Mississippi last year. Both incidents made headlines. Joshua Blunt of Grenada was charged in the death of his eight-month-old daughter, Shania. His attorney, Carlos Moore, tells MPB's Alexis Ware he's thankful lives could be saved with this legislation. I am elated that someone has finally uh, seen the light and introduced this legislation uh, in Congress. It is long overdue. Uh, Too many children have died needlessly. The technology has long existed, and it's something that should have been done, uh, but that's uh, neither here nor there. I'm glad it's been introduced today, and I am uh, just thankful that uh, lives will be uh, saved uh, should this legislation pass. Uh, And I uh, do believe that uh, my daughter is alive today because my car had the technology. My daughter is six now, but when she was two, uh, my wife asked me to take her to the daycare, and I started off taking her to the daycare and went to my office, not knowing I had left my child in the back seat. Once I got in my office and began work, um, my car alarm went off about three to five minutes after I had been in there. I thought someone was breaking in my car. I went outside to investigate. Didn't see anybody, but I opened the door. 
uh, just to see what was going on. And I saw my daughter sit in the back seat. I could have fallen dead to know that I had left her in that car. And my routine then was to work all day. So I would I would not have come outside until the end of the day. I would have skipped lunch. My daughter would not be with us today, save for the alarm going off. And I'm so grateful that other kids' lives uh, will be saved, uh, like Avery's life was saved that day by the alarm going off. I also had the privilege of representing Joshua Blunt. Unfortunately, his car was an older model car. I was driving a BMW, and it had the, it had the technology. He drove an older model car. did not have the technology, and his daughter, his eight-month-old, is gone. But I represented him pro bono because I knew it was an honest mistake. He was working hard and was forgetful, and his daughter suffered a fatality. And so I paid it forward and represented him uh, pro bono, and he did not have to spend a day in prison. And so we're grateful for that. He has twins on the way next month, and he'll be able to raise those individuals to become successful adults. And so what year was that that you had this car? I, uh, my daughter was two. She was born in 2010, so this would have occurred in 2000. And at that time, I believe I was driving a 2009 BMW, so I know that the technology has existed for a while. And so I'm surprised it's taken a 2017 for the legislation to be introduced. But uh, I'm glad, nevertheless, that it has been introduced. So how do you think, moving forward, this would affect Mississippi drivers? I think everyone would welcome uh, this technology. And while the legislation deals with new cars that's going to come out, I think there is technology that exists. And I would encourage parents to buy. It has to be a portable device that could be placed in some of these older model cars to alert them if their child or someone is left in 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 a locked car. Mississippi is known to have brutal summers, and no amount of money should be spared to save a life. And so spend whatever money you have to do to get your car retrofitted if it's an older model or if you can afford to go ahead and get a new car with the correct technology so uh, uh, the life that you save may be your own child. So you say you were the representative for the father who did lose his daughter. So how did that impact that family and community? It was devastating to both the, uh, the father when I represented Ms. Mr. Blunt and his uh, now fiance, uh, Ms. Caradine. They were devastated. They had tried for years to have children. They had finally was blessed to have uh, Shania and then to lose after eight months was just devastating. It was heart-wrenching. But those who stuck together, the mother of the child knew that he loved that child dearly and would have never done anything intentionally. It was just a tragic, tragic mistake. And so she stood by him throughout the criminal proceedings. They are still together. So we believe heaven has smiled upon them and given them a chance to be parents again. And we know he'll have an extra sense of awareness and would never forget another child. What are your thoughts on someone taking legal action after an incident like this happens? When something like this happens, it it warrants an investigation because I do know some people intentionally leave their kid in a hot car, but there was no indication in this case uh, that Mr. Blunt left his child intentionally and the uh, prosecutor was insistent on prison time and we were not going to agree for him to spend one day in prison. And so he finally relented and my client was able to avoid prison altogether. And so we are just happy for that outcome because it was not going to do anyone good for him to sit in prison for his worst nightmare coming to fruition. I mean, he will repeat that day in his mind for the rest of his life, and that's punishment enough. What do you think was the reason behind the difference in how these two cases were handled? Justice is really not blind, it seems. Carlos Moore is an attorney. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. No problem. Have a good day. In 2016, 39 children nationwide died in hot cars, and already nine this year have died. That's according to kidsandcars.org. Lieutenant Sheila Tucker is a juvenile investigator with the Rankin County Sheriff's Department. She tells MPB's Alexis where she supports the proposal. 
Oh, I think that would be fantastic because that way the parents would be reminded if a small child was left in the back seat and they wouldn't be left in there out in the heat or the cold. So how would that affect Mississippi drivers? I think it would help the drivers. I mean, you know, some may be against it, but I think the majority of them would be for it because it would prevent that from happening because, you know, people get busy in their everyday life and forget you know, we've had some that's happened here in Mississippi, and I, th- I don't know why they would not want that to make sure that they didn't leave a child in the car. How big of a problem is are incidences like this here in the state? I know we've had a couple that I know of here in the state. Um, of course, we had, you know, one, I believe it was in Madison County, that the child was left in the car and died. But um, we get calls all the time to unlock vehicles where children are in the car locked in but it's still running what should they do for now every vehicle doesn't have that alert system so how can parents make sure that their children are staying safe the women can like put their purse in the back seat because you know most women are not going to get out of the vehicle without their purse and cell phone they can put their cell phone back there because just about nobody's going to leave their vehicle without the cell phone most people have it with them or put something that's attached to their arm to something back there on the car seat that reminds them to get that child out of the car. So if it's something you need when you get out of that car, if you have it in the back seat, you're going to re- you're going to open that back door, or reach back in the back seat to get that item, and then you'll realize the child is in there. How important do you think that this legislation is? Do you see that it will help more in the future? Oh, most definitely. I think it would be a great help because it, you know, we get busy in our busy lives, and you know, some parents just forget that that child's in the back seat. And that will remind them, you know, you've got to stop and get that child out of or somebody out of the back seat, even if it's an elderly parent or something. Be aware and always check your back seat every time you get out of the car to make sure nothing or nobody has been left in there, no child, no pet, parent or anything, you know, just always check your back seat to make sure that nobody's in there. Just make it an everyday habit of doing. Sheila Tucker, thank you so much for speaking with me today. All right, thank you. The bill will now be addressed by the House Energy and Commerce and House Transportation and Infrastructure Committees. Coming up, economic development leaders in Mississippi are reaching out to seniors, urging them to consider making the Magnolia State their retirement home. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Born this week in 1808, he was a West Point graduate, a cotton planter, a member of the U.S. House and Senate. He was a hero of the Mexican War and later served as Secretary of War. But the world knows Jefferson Davis best as the first and only president of the Confederacy. Davis was popular in the early days of the Civil War, but his popularity waned as the war went on and the South suffered defeats on the battlefield, economic collapse, and political infighting. At the end of the war, Davis was captured and imprisoned for two years. He eventually settled and spent the rest of his life at Beauvoir, his home on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Many wanted Davis to return to the Senate, but this was impossible because Jefferson Davis refused to ask the United States for a pardon. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Economic development leaders are encouraging retired seniors to make Mississippi their forever home. The Mississippi Development Authority has declared this week as Retirement Week in Mississippi with the launch of the You've Arrived campaign. The program highlights the benefits of retirement in the state's certified retirement cities. So far, 13 towns are on the growing list, boasting cultural attractions, entertainment, medical care, and a warm climate. Ultimately, the program could spur much-needed economic activity in the state. The certified cities have already seen growth to the tune of 8,600 retirees. Glenn McCullough, Jr. is executive director of the Mississippi Development Authority. He tells MP Desiree Frazier details about Retirement Week. Well, Retirement Week in Mississippi is something that the Mississippi Development Authority and our Visit Mississippi partners are so excited about. We declared this week, June 5 through 9, as Mississippi, you've arrived. Retirees play such an important role in, in our state, in our communities, all across the state of Mississippi. And And we're very proud of 13 certified retirement cities in Mississippi. So representatives from the Mississippi Development Authority will be visiting our welcome centers. Our welcome centers provide a gateway to our state. And so visitors come and visit Mississippi. We want to make sure they receive the right kind of welcome. And they also realize that Mississippi is a uniquely wonderful place to spend your retirement years. When you talk about 13 retirement cities, what is a retirement city? These cities have gone through a rigorous screening process. It takes about three months. There is an application process. And uh, important uh, attributes in quality of life, such as affordable cost of living, low taxes, These are safe cities. They have low crime rates. They have quality medical care, a lot of recreational education and cultural opportunities. And these cities all have a very warm and inviting community spirit. So uh, we're proud of all the cities across the state of Mississippi. Thirteen of those are currently certified retirement cities. What makes Mississippi a place where you think people should retire? Governor Bryant is quick to remind people that we win with people in Mississippi Mississippians, just part of our DNA is that is that we're caring people, uh, we're very gracious, we welcome visitors, we love to look people in the eye and say, welcome to my community, welcome to our state, what brings you here, where is home for you? And visitors come to Mississippi and their common response is twofold. First of all, the people of Mississippi are so warm, so gracious, and so friendly. And secondly, it's a beautiful state. We have a very diverse state from the hills of northeast and the delta, the great Mississippi River on our west border, the Tennessee Tom Bigby Waterway. Coming down to the central part of Mississippi is uniquely a great place. We'll have two museums that will be opening in December, the uh, Mississippi Civil Rights Museum and the Museum of Mississippi History. Well, two new museums will be open. You go into the Pine Belt and the beautiful lush East Mississippi, our southwest Mississippi on the southern part of the river, and then the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Like none other, the Mississippi Gulf Coast has over 25 miles of beaches and and just gorgeous estuaries, waterways. I think uh, our people, and then there's a place 
Mississippi like none other. Why is this important to the Mississippi Development Authority? Well, you know, just in the past year, uh, Desiree, over 23 million visited Mississippi, and that is an increase of over 700,000. People come to Mississippi to, to visit our Blues Trail, to visit our Country Trail, the Freedom Trail. There is so much history in Mississippi and things, and some of it very recent. The Grammy Museum in Cleveland, Mississippi, is, is certainly a place that, that where you can celebrate uh, the blues. B.B. Uh, King, the founder of the blues, or you can go over to Meridian, Mississippi, the Jimmy Rogers Museum. Uh, there's a guy who was born in Tupelo named Elvis that uh, had a little something to do with rock and roll. So Mississippi is not only the birthplace of America's music, we're also the birthplace of a lot of America's culture and history. Approximately 8,600 retirees have moved to the state as a result of your program? Well, that's right, and, and that's since the program was started. And obviously many, many more people have decided to retire in Mississippi, and we welcome retirees. They give back to the community. They, they support their community in every, in every good way. And so uh, that's one of the reasons that the Mississippi Development Authority is so proud to partner with communities in, in, who would like to become certified retirement cities. So you want more cities to get on board? Well, that's right. I mean, cities across the state can make application, and uh, we welcome them to do that. And, and uh, we at MDA uh, and Economic Community Development are team players. Uh, we just work as a catalyst in working with uh, leaders in cities all across the state. Well, Glenn McCullough, director of the Mississippi Development Authority, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Hey, it's our pleasure, and uh, thank you so much. And, and we look forward to seeing you all across the state of Mississippi. The current list of certified communities includes Aberdeen, Brandon, Clinton, Corinth, Gulf Coast, Hattiesburg, Madison, Natchez, Oxford, Picayune, South Haven, Tupelo, and Vicksburg. I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.